0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it nor overcome it. There came a man and sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives life to all men, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Welcome to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter. I'm glad that you joined us today, this is most special time of the year. And we're going to look at another Christmas story that we find in the Gospels. Not one that we typically associate with the same Christmas stories that we looked at last week on. Matthew and Luke's Gospels, and you can go back and check those out at our YouTube channel. You can pick us up on various podcasts, and if you touch that little subscribe button, if you hit that now, you'll get all of these videos automatically. But last week, we looked at the combined Christmas stories of Matthew and Luke. Today, I want to talk about this other Christmas story, the one that we find in John's Gospel, the prologue to John's gospel and it's very special to me because I was born again in 1995, in June of 1995, and shortly after that, I had the, the great honor and the great privilege and the great joy of being discipled by James Orders, and James Orders, there was a lot of memorization during the 16-week discipleship, it's just one-on-one with me and Mr. Orders, and he asked me to memorized this prologue to John 1 as, as a part of the memorization during that time, and I did, and during our, t- our time together, James ended up with cancer, and he was dying, and I went to see him with my little girl, my little daughter, Britton, who at the time was probably no more than six or seven or eight, and we were standing by his hospital bed in his home, and he would die a few days after that, and he said, Sam, would you recite John 1 to me? which I did with my little girl standing next to me. So all these years, I've kept that memorization in my heart because it has such a special meaning. And I hope it will to you as we look at it today. The other Christmas story. Now, before we jump into that John 1 and and just look at it line by line, I want to start with one of John's other writings. His first letter, we call it 1 John. And it's the very first chapter, and it's how he opens up. And when you listen to his words... I want you to really understand and think about what it is that he is trying to get across to everyone he was writing to and certainly to us today. John, 1 John 1, That which, was, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. It's pretty evident what he's trying to get across. We lived with this man, Jesus. We touched him. We ate with him. We laughed with him. We slept with him. We drank with him. We we cried with him. We had life with him. He was real. And we lived with him. And we want you to know that. And you know, when I read this beginning of his first John, that first letter that he wrote, I I, I think, you know, if, if I could take a skeptic, or even a cynic, and I could say, let's start with these opening words from John. Now, he is telling you, without any question, Jesus was real, and he lived with him. Now, if we take the rest of John's writings, and John's reputation in general, does anyone come across, come away thinking he's a liar, or a lunatic, or he's... He's a scammer or he's a, he's a fraud? No. No one would think that. Even a skeptic reading his words would never think that. So to me, you start with this first John, and then you say, He's telling you Jesus is real, and, and John is clearly legitimate. So what do you do with everything he says about Jesus that follows? And I would hope that would open up the eyes and the heart of someone that was a little skeptical or was searching. This is the way John starts his letter, and then he continues with this. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. John is saying, our joy, we have so much joy and so much fellowship with Jesus, even now. I mean, we lived with Him for three years, and John is writing this maybe 60 years later. He's in his 90s, perhaps late 80s. And he's saying, my joy, I am so full of joy, but I'm not, I, I, my joy is not complete until I see you experiencing the same fellowship and the same joy. Thank you, John, for writing that letter to us, and thank you for this prologue to your gospel, which we're going to jump into right now, and it is loaded with fun facts and things that I think will speak to your heart. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this, this, way, this word that is translated word, it's in the Greek, is Logos. And it has a very rich history and a very deep, deep meaning. The translators in English decided to use word, which I would, have, I would have preferred they just left Logos in there because I want you to think about some of the things that it means. And I want to tell you about the history of this word, Logos, because John, what John does here as he begins his gospel is absolutely stunningly brilliant. Logos. To the Greek mind it is the highest form of philosophical thought, the principle of order and knowledge and divine reason. Now we're going to see how this first came into being with Heraclitus, a very well-known Greek philosopher who was known for observing the, all the ever-changing aspects of this universe in which we live. As a matter of fact, he made the statement, no man can step in the same river twice, for he is not the same man, and it is not the same river. He was in the 6th century, and he made this statement, no man can step in the same river twice, for it is not the same river, and he is not the same man. Isn't that an interesting observation? That water has moved on, and even if you stepped back for 5 or 10 seconds, you're not the same person. So he, in Heraclitus' mind, there was, There was this ever-changing, what seemed to be disordered, random world. And he kept contemplating, how can we find any order in this kind of a world, this ever-changing world? And so, he came up with the idea of taking the word, the Greek word logos, and he defined it as this, the word or reason from God with a purpose and a design to the world. The word or reason from God with a purpose and design to the world. Heraclitus is in the 6th century. In the 4th century, Plato comes along. Now, Plato was a monotheist. Most, Greco, most Greeks and most in the Greco-Roman world, they worship multiple gods. But Plato was a monotheist, and he observed this. It may be that someday there will come forth from God a word, a logos, that will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain. It may be. That someday, Plato said, there will come forth from God a Word, a Logos that will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain. Now here's what I want you to think about. John writes this, beginning of his Gospel, he's in his nineties. He is, he is going to speak to both the Greco-Roman world and his Jewish world. The Jewish world has been looking for this Messiah for all of these many centuries. The Greco-Roman world, the Greeks have been looking and trying to understand this whole idea of Logos, the reason, what is going on, what, what makes this universe tick. We know that something more than just this physical world is at play. And so the best we can do, for the Greeks they say, is come up with this idea of this principle, this reason behind everything. But what is it? And then John comes along and in a stroke of absolute brilliance. He says to the Greeks, you've been thinking about this idea for centuries. And to his Jewish friends, you've been thinking about this idea of the Messiah for centuries. Here's what I'm here to tell you. The Logos and the Messiah are the same. And it's not a thought, and it's not a principle, and it's not an idea. It is a man. And we lived with him, and we touched him, and we ate with him, slept with him, cried with him, laughed with him, walked with him. All of these centuries that you've been pondering the philosophical nature of this idea of Logos, and all of these centuries that the Jews have been pondering this idea of Messiah, they meet in one. And here's the last little ribbon to tie up the bow on this thought. Heraclitus lived and wrote in Ephesus. John wrote his gospel in Ephesus. So, he takes it full circle after all those centuries and said, this is, he came, the Logos, but it's not an idea. It's a man, and his name was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus himself, in his high priestly prayer, he said in John 17, 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. He was with God in the beginning. He was always there. Before this universe was ever created, he was always with the Father in this very hard to understand, impossible to truly understand, Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And what was Jesus' role in this trinity as the world was created? Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, you remember John fourteen six where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What we see with John, and we really the Holy Spirit through John, and then we're going to see the Holy Spirit speaking to this through Paul, is that everything that came out of the Trinity, the burst of energy, came through Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one comes back through all of this except through me. Everything was created through Him. And to get back to the Father, to get back to the Trinity, you've got to go through Jesus. You have to walk, move through His, his being so that He washes your sins away. Everything was made through Him, and to go back, it has to be through Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit through Paul had to say about this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He was before all things, and everything is made through him, and in him all things hold together. Now, here's an interesting little uh, science fact. The scientists who've studied the universe, they have concluded that that hard matter, things we can touch, the planets, etc., make up 5% of the universe. Then there's a 25% of the universe that they call dark matter. They, it's invisible. They know it's there, and it has to be there for gravity and all of these things to be at play, but they can't cannot see it. So 5% hard matter, 25% dark matter, 70% dark energy. They don't know what to do with it. They know it's there. They know it's some type of energy that, that, that holds everything together, just as we see. And in Him all things hold together, but they cannot identify it. But we can, because the Holy Spirit told us exactly what it was. Through Him all things were made, and in Him all things hold together. Everything that happened outside the Trinity happened through Jesus. What a creative burst of cosmic energy. And that's why we say Jesus is the catalyst. He is, God the Father set it up for Jesus to be the catalyst. When you want to get to your Heavenly Father, the closer you want to go into the kingdom, the more you want to live in the kingdom of God, the richness of the kingdom, the more you want to go through Jesus because He is the catalyst. Let's keep going with John 1. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it nor understood it. You remember John, in John's Gospel, in in chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. And you can just hear Him thinking and you don't have it because you've missed the heart of My Father. I have come so that you may have life. In Him was life. I want you to pause for just a moment and think about what would come to mind as, as descriptive words for someone that you would say, now that person. In him or in her is life. What, what would it take? What would that person be like for you to say, as John says about Jesus, in him was life. Well, we come back to that word energy again, creativity, fullness, overflowing, certainly someone that was bursting with the Holy Spirit and power. Always, always moving, always with a purpose, calm, relaxed pace. In him was life. That's John 10.10. ten. First Timothy 6, We, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, And I've, I want you to have the life that is truly life. And that's what Jesus wanted for us. That life was the light of all mankind. And it shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it, nor understood it. Either translation works, so I combined them. John three nineteen through 21 When Jesus is sitting down with Nicodemus, he said, I've come to shine light into the world. But people love darkness. Now, why do people love darkness? Because people cannot see what they're doing. They can hide behind that. We scurry away into the darkness. We all do it. We all carry these these masks that we wear, that we hide behind. But when Jesus shines His light into your life, there's no escaping it and there's no missing it because now just as Jesus had life, now you'll have life. This prologue is so rich. Let's keep going with the next verse. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. That's John the Baptist. And John includes him in this because he starts his gospel with John the Baptist playing such a prominent role in the baptism and introduction of Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now, the Greek word, therefore, receive is paralambo. Now, I want you to understand that this word does not mean that you just take hold of something. This word has a very deep, rich connotation to it. It really means that you take something and you take it with you. More, that you. more than just you take it with you, you take it in you. So, I wanted to use this demonstration. Here's a Christmas present. It's Christmas time. Now, someone hands me this present and I thank them and I put it down. Did I receive that gift from them? if I gave you this gift and you thanked me and then you put it down and didn't even open it, did you? Re- no, you didn't receive it. But what if I took that gift that you gave me and I opened it? And I looked at it and I said, hmm, I like that. Thank you so much. And I put it down. Did I receive that gift? No. It's only when I take the gift, I take it out, I look at it, I... I, I all make all kind of nice comments about it and then I actually put it on I actually put on the gift that you gave me this is what receiving looks like it's not just what we normally think of as as taking hold of something it means to bring it in to all those who received him to those who believed in his name he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to, what's the word? Become children of God. This is bad news for a lot of people and it's shocking news for a lot of people, but you're not born a child of God. You're not born a child of God. The Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament talks about being adopted into God's family. You're not born a child of God. Now, God loves you perfectly, And he adores you, but you're not in his family just by birth. You have to be rebirth. You have to be reborn into his family. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Being born of water and blood through your mother is not going to get it. And the Holy Spirit through John expounds on this. Children born not of natural descent. In other words, you're not born a Christian. If someone ever tells me, and I've heard this many times, I've been a Christian all my life. Well, no, you have not. Nor of a human decision. We don't make a decision for Christ. When I hear people say, and I know they're well-meaning, after some type of evangelical event, they'll say, we had 20 decisions for Jesus. And I think, no, you did not. You don't make a decision for Jesus. You fall on your knees and you cry out desperately, I'm surrendering to you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. You're not born a Christian, you don't make a decision for a Christian, as to be a Christian. Or a husband's will, or that could be translated the will of man. If it's a husband's will, it means he wanted to have intercourse with her, or relations with his wife and a baby popped out. If it's the will of man, it would refer more to baptism and the kind of things we do. But no, none of these, you're not born a Christian, you don't make a decision, you surrender your life instead of making a decision. And it's not anything that any man can do, but born of God. The Word became flesh. Remember John said this in his letter. We talked to him. We touched him. We 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 had, we had life with him. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling. And that dwelling is actually tabernacled. He tabernacled with us. Now you just think about that first tabernacle. The first tabernacle was set up so that God could come into that tent, that tabernacle, and people could be with God. Jesus came out of the Trinity so that we didn't have to go to a tabernacle. He came to tabernacle with us, to be with us and walk amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, and I love this, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Jesus said He was going to fulfill the law. He wasn't going to abolish it. He was going to fulfill it. And He fulfilled it by showing us grace and truth. Grace, that's what I would call soft love. Truth could be hard love. I, need, I want you to know the truth. Jesus was always insistent on the truth, but He did it with such grace. Verse 16, Out of His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Out of His fullness that overflows into our life, we have all received the fullness, His fullness of grace upon grace. For the Law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the One and Only who is at the Father's side has made Him known. The Law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I saw this in a book and I'm sorry I cannot give the assignment to the right author. I cannot remember where I saw it, but I'm I'm telling you it's not from Sam. The Law of Moses forbids us to sin. Jesus freed us from sin. The law of Moses commands righteousness. Jesus produces righteousness. That, my friends, is the prologue to John's Gospel. It's so rich. And there's so much in there for us to understand and take with us. And so we did this with the men's groups this week. And when we finished this, we did communion together. Because you can do communion anywhere. And as we did communion together, we we followed Jesus' words when He said, Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of Me. And so we took a few minutes, and we thought about all, we remembered all the things that He'd done for us, and is doing for us. And I hope you'll do that same thing. And then we stood and we, we recited together this Zimbabwe Covenant. And it is so packed with energy. I'm going to share it with you right now. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die is cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. Don't you just love that? I, am no longer, I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, or popularity. I do not have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on God's presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not give up, shut up, or let up. I will go on until Christ comes and and work until Christ stops me. I am a disciple of Jesus. The Zimbabwe Covenant. That's something that I want to repeat often because that captures who I am and what I want to be about. Now you remember during this special time, Isaiah himself said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Merry Christmas. Always, always keep digging because you know that there's more. You know it. Come with Jesus and find it.